Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. The Opportunity Zones policy was enacted nearly five years ago as part of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. In July of 2018, the Treasury Department certified over 8,700 census tracts all across the country as qualified Opportunity Zones, and the first qualified Opportunity Funds were launched. OZ investing may just be the greatest tax incentive ever created. The policy has the opportunity to become the largest economic development program in U.S. history, and already... Over $100 billion of equity has flowed into thousands of qualified opportunity funds over the course of just the first four plus years of the program. Welcome to OZ Pitch Day Fall 2022. I'm Jimmy Atkinson, founder of Opportunity DB and host of the Opportunity Zones podcast, and I'll be your host for today's live online event. Our keynote address will be delivered by Shay Hawkins, founder and president of the Opportunity Funds Association. The Opportunity Zones program has been a massive success, and Shay's experience gives him a unique perspective on its success story. As tax policy advisor to Senator Tim Scott from 2017 through 2019, Shay played a key part in the passage of the Opportunity Zones provision in the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Now, post-implementation, his role as founder of the Opportunity Funds Association allows him to work closely with fund managers who are deploying capital into Opportunity Zone communities all over the country. Now, unfortunately, Shay was not able to be here with us live today. He had another commitment come up last minute, but he was able to record his address with me recently. And in his address, Shay will touch on his initial expectations for the Opportunity Zones policy, identify why the policy has been so successful thus far, and also touch on the future of Opportunity Zones. So without further ado, here's Shay Hawkins with today's keynote address. Jimmy, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a privilege to be involved in, uh, in events for Opportunity DB. Uh, a number of the members of my trade association, uh, the Opportunity Fund Association, are also going to be involved uh, later this afternoon. So uh, very excited uh, you know, to, to, to join you guys today. And just wanted to talk a little bit um, you know, about what some of my expectations were for the Opportunity Zone policy as a member of Senator Scott's staff as we were drafting it. Uh, Want to talk a little bit about some of the macro performance of the policy, you know, kind of in relation to those expectations. And then wanted to talk a little bit um, about some of the potential future uh, of the policy very briefly. And so, you know, the Investigate Opportunity Act was the basis of uh, the Opportunity Zone legislation that we passed. And uh, tax reform, the Investigate Opportunity Act was a bipartisan bill, uh, 44 Republicans in the House, 44 Democrats in the House, and uh, seven and seven, uh, seven Democrats and seven Republicans in the Senate. Uh, in the Senate. So bipartisan piece of legislation from the very beginning. Uh, that's important to note. And in tax reform, the score for opportunity zones, um, you can look at that as the amount of money over 10 years that 
the policy is expected to cost the government in terms of lost tax dollars. You know, whenever you give some kind of tax break, there's a cost. And so in any case, um, the 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 score was about one point eight billion over 10 years, which is to say that um, that's how much tax revenue uh, the federal government would lose that they wouldn't have otherwise, you know, they would have otherwise theoretically had. And so within a couple months of passage uh, of the Opportunity Zone policy, um, outside folks were already rescoring that number at 7.8 billion, right? So the uptake was immediately uh, over and above what we expected it would be. You know, th this policy was a relatively small uh, priority in tax reform. You know, it was Senator Scott's uh, top priority. Uh, but in terms of a $1.5 trillion bill, uh, it was relatively small. And now has really become one of the most impactful community development policies in history. Uh, I call it a policy, not a program, uh, because the government is, uh, the federal government is uh, very hands-off in this policy by design. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're very excited. You know, what we hoped is that in a couple key rural areas and urban areas that were experiencing economic distress, uh, you know, we could make uh, those residents or a certain portion of those residents better off uh, through better jobs, through better access to um, to uh, entrepreneurs and uh, and products and services that they wouldn't have otherwise had access to uh, through rising property values, um, through better quality of life, through reduced crime. And so, um, you know, the scale um, you know, is is what really, uh, you know, is really impressed us. You know, when you look at the amount of equity that's been raised for deployment in opportunity zones, uh, you're looking at a hundred uh, billion dollars that's been raised for deployment, and that's not including what's going to be levered up uh, on the debt side. Um, you know, in in terms of investing, I mean, we have members of our trade association that alone, um, you know, have put, uh, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars to work in opportunity zones. And so uh, very impressive effort, very, uh, very impressive leaders in the space uh, amongst a number of industries. And so we've been just extremely, uh, just extremely excited about what we've seen. Uh, the GAO did a report a couple of years back they estimated that $75 billion would come into the zones over 10 years and that a million Americans would be lifted out of poverty and that the poverty rate within opportunity zones would be reduced uh, by, um, by 11%. And so, so far, we are really, uh, really uh, blowing right through those predictions, you know, uh, in terms of the capital that's deployed and um, through legislation that was proposed by Senator Scott and Senator Booker from New Jersey 
um, and co-sponsored on the House side by Congresswoman Terry Sewell uh, from Alabama and uh, Congressman Mike Kelly. Through that legislation, we will be able to uh, get some uh, transparency and some studies from the Treasury Department uh, aided by, um, you know, folks at like, you know, back and funded administrators like uh, the folks at JCT Americas uh, and others, those folks will be able to put together data that lets us know exactly how many folks uh, are lifted out of poverty, exactly how many jobs are created, and gives us an even broader view of the potential impact of this policy. And so we're just really, really excited. Um, you know, on, on a more micro level, um, there's uh, folks, you know, that are members of, you know, of OFA um, that are really, um, you know, that are really doing some impressive stuff across the country. Um, I'm thinking of like the Bridgeport group and uh, based out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and also operating in Florida and uh, in uh, on the East Coast. Uh, these folks are using opportunity zones to build out uh, a minority and veteran owned business uh, that will be a distributor, um, a major distributor in the growing um, healthcare space uh, in Cleveland. Um, and so this is exciting because, you know, there's a very disruptive, uh, a very disruptive movement towards online uh, pharmaceutical distribution. And so this will allow uh, a minority and veteran-owned opportunity zone business to really become uh, a part of that distribution um, in physical delivery uh, and through warehousing, you know, in, opp in opportunity zones. Um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, in terms of completed projects and ribbon cuttings, as it were, I think about, um, uh, Repetate and Alex Bethal, you guys will have him on, uh, I think, later this afternoon. But in any case, those guys, um, you know, cut the ribbon last year on a great project um, in San Bernardino County um, where they built out a facility um, for the San Bernardino County uh, Department of Children's Behavioral Health. Uh, I mean, beautiful facility and a beautiful partnership um, with uh, the public sector, the private sector, and uh, and opportunity zones. Uh, just coming together, Senator Scott went out there to cut the ribbon, and it just uh, was a great project. We were looking at groundbreakings at the beginning of projects. You know, I think about uh, you know I think about a great project down in uh, Panama City, Florida. Uh, where, you know, another one of our members, the St. Joe Company, actually, uh, in partnership with the city of Panama uh, City, uh, have leased land from the city right there on the marina to develop a hotel and restaurant. Uh, and so they're leasing the land, uh, which is owned by the city. And so the city is seeing immediate revenue today. Uh, as we break ground. Uh, but the agreement is structured where once the hotel is built and the restaurant and St. Joe Company sees additional revenue from the hotel and restaurant, 
the lease payments adjust upwards. Um, and so hundreds of uh, construction jobs, obviously, in the building phase, which is happening as we speak. And then obviously, in, in addition to that, we're going to see uh, we're going to see hundreds of people employed uh, in the restaurant and the, uh, you know, in, in the hotel. And so just, uh, you know, a great win for uh, local government, for the state of Florida, uh, and for, like I said, one of our members, uh, the St. Joe Company. And so you can multiply these projects, uh, you know, over and over. Uh, you know, you guys have a great... Uh, a great database uh, where some of these projects are actually uh, highlighted. And, uh, you know, it, it really speaks to um, the impact that Opportunity Zones has, uh, you know, that's just outsized and above uh, what you see in a lot of other community development policies, but also uh, even compared to our initial expectations when we were passing the policy. Um, and so it's it's really exciting, you know, the, um, you know, politically, um, you know, we'll we'll see uh, going forward. Uh, we are very hopeful that um, that we will be able to pass in this lame duck session, you know, now that the election's over and the swords have been put away, um, you know, we are really hoping that we can get some bipartisan agreement to pass the uh, Opportunity Zone Expansion and Transparency Bill that was introduced uh, in uh, in April of this year. And I know you have some folks that are going to talk about that bill in more detail, but essentially, um, you know, it, it would expand the Opportunity Zone policy by two years. Um, it would um, allow for some basic uh, transparency reporting uh, to allow us to understand how opportunity zones are uh, are impacting distressed communities and how they can better impact those communities with adjustments. Uh, it will allow for a fund of fund structure so that opportunity fund managers can invest in other opportunity funds. Uh, it'll provide about a billion dollars for um, about a billion dollars for uh, education for local governments uh, on how to best utilize opportunity zones and how other communities are utilizing them. Um, and then finally, uh, in a small handful of very high income zones, uh, it will uh, say that if you have an investment in those zones uh, today, uh, you're fine. But going forward, um, you know, governors are going to governors of those states where those zones are are going to uh, redesignate uh, those zones and uh, and are going to be allowed to pick new zones in those states uh, where people can invest uh, and benefit from the policy. So, um, you know, we are very hopeful. You know, with the Republicans having taken the House, um, but not having taken the Senate. In this, uh, in this case, at this time, um, we, um, you know, we are hopeful that we will be able to get something done uh, in the lame duck. Um, you know, with with one party uh, having retained control of the Senate, uh, but the other party having retained control of the House, uh, it does make some of the negotiations 
uh, a little more difficult uh, than if it were single party, uh, single party rule, because there's kind of, you know, if, if we had had the Republicans take over everything, then we would have the uh, the incoming majority kind of negotiating with the outgoing majority. Um, and uh, the playing field going forward will be pretty much set. Um, so that that just allows for, you know, the swords to get put away and people to move forward. Uh, in this situation, there's a little more uncertainty because the House will be able to present things that the Senate will be able to kind of push back on. But we are still hopeful because this was a bipartisan policy from the beginning, um, you know, with bipartisan support from the beginning. Uh, you know, we're hoping that we'll get the swords put away and we'll get a nice expansion of this really great policy that's impacted so many Americans and really give us the transparency and reporting that we need to understand how um, impactful it's been and, uh, you know, and, and give us a view into how we can make it even more impactful for the current residents of distressed communities. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 